begin. We are here with Mass Ave, bringing you conservative insights from the steps of Capitol Hill. Uh, Co-hosting today is Daniel Davis again. Um, Daniel, how's it going? It's going great. Great to be here. Thanks for letting me co-host with you. Yeah. So we're recording a little bit later this week, but it has been a runaway news week. There's been a lot going on. Um, Healthcare. Healthcare is happening Every, every day it's something new. Every day it is something new. Um, I guess we're waiting to see if the, they're going to go ahead and put up the, the, the latest round of the Senate bill. Um, what else is going on? Well, yeah, they're, they're negotiating in the Senate uh, terms for you know, bringing up the bill. But a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, moderates and a few conservatives are actually holding out. Um, I guess the latest news uh, today is John McCain you know, being diagnosed with brain cancer um, at, He's. They're looking at options, uh, and obviously that that's an incredibly sad development. Um, so we'll be thinking of him. Um, but uh, in the meantime, uh, there was a really great piece out um, by our own Bob Moffitt here talking about how the healthcare bill would be um, would be a, a a huge achievement in terms of Medicaid uh, reforming an entitlement uh, in a way that we haven't seen ever. Yeah. Um, so something conservatives need to remember as they think about this bill. Yeah, if you want to see some of Heritage's reaction to the latest going on on the healthcare debate, definitely visit the Daily Signal. Our analysts have been posting minute-by-minute um, minute reactions to, to what's going on. So definitely a great resource to check out. Um, I guess also in Heritage News, Hans von Spukowski, he's our legal fellow. He is on the uh, President's Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. Election integrity, I think I got that right. Yep. Um, they had their first meeting yesterday, and coincidentally, it coincided with um, the Heritage Foundation just recently updated its voter fraud database, which has now surpassed over a thousand. Over a thousand. Yeah. yeah so, um, some interesting timing on that, but I'm sure that's going to be an issue that's going to continue to pop. All right. Well, speaking of issues, <laughs> let's talk about women's issues for a little bit. Um, we have Kelsey Harkness from the Daily Signal here with us. Uh, she's been doing a lot of writing on this, which um, has been great. One of the the pieces that has really stood out to me was one that she wrote in the Federalist a couple of weeks ago on problematic women, which uh, came in reaction to an article in Elle about problematic women. So, Kelsey, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, break this down a little bit for me. Uh, the article, your reaction... The overall trends here that we can see. <laughs> so it all started with an article in Elle magazine where a writer, a feminist writer, so she claims, uh, published an article with the headline asking, how do we criticize problematic women? And alongside that headline was a picture of Ivanka Trump, Megyn Kelly and Kellyanne Conway. And the point of this article was to address a really alarming question to the feminists about how they react when conservative or right-leaning women get criticized, get unfairly criticized based on uh, the way they look, their appearance. Um, and their question was, do we come out and defend them because we're feminists and that's what we're supposed to do? But then if we do that, are we legitimizing them? And heaven forbid they legitimize someone who maybe disagrees with them on some <laughs> issues. And I personally just found it hilarious that they called conservative and right and moderate-leaning women problematic because I think it perfectly sums up everything, the all the ways the left views 
the women on the right, and mm-hmm. that is that they are problems to be fixed. They are they are not women worthy of civil conversation and debate. They are problems that we need to address and fix. So I kind of uh, ran with that that headline, problematic women, and I I personally said I'm proud to be a problematic woman, um, and I actually took uh, one of my favorite quotes ever from Kellyanne Conway when she was asked, are you a feminism, feminist? And she said that she is a product of my choices rather than a victim of my circumstances. And I think that perfectly um, sums up the way I think a lot of conservative and right-leaning women view their existence right. versus the feminists who are constantly perpetuating this culture of victimhood. I'm a victim because mm-hmm. I'm a woman. Um, so the point of my piece is saying it's actually good to be a problematic woman because if you really are a feminist and you really care about women and women's rights, you should be proud to be problematic because nothing ever got done unless – and until you posed a problem to society. So so just to dig a, a layer deeper into that term problematic woman, uh, what what is it that 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 L and and the Cosmo and these magazines, what is it that they and the left find so problematic about conservative women? Because a lot of these women um, are advocating a lot of the same like nobody thinks that women shouldn't shouldn't work and all these basic things that were at the you know the earliest stages of the feminist movement. Uh, no one's advocating that. Why? Why? Why have they sort of shifted the goalposts, and why are they um, finding conservative women to be so problematic? Well, it's really ironic that they include Ivanka Trump in this because Ivanka Trump right. is out there uh, advocating for maternity leave, paid maternity leave. Um, but I think it really comes down to the issues of abortion and birth control. Um, the left likes to use the platform of equal pay, although I think we've seen plenty of conservatives debunk their argument there. Um, but they really like to take the moral high ground and pretend that they are out there advocating on behalf of women. And this is the problem I really have with a lot of these women's magazines. I mean, how ironic is it that there was a women's magazine calling women problematic if you don't agree with them? I mean, it's just so backwards. But as much as conservatives and Republicans might want to ignore the very existence of these magazines, the reality is there's a lot of them and they do have a lot of influence. I think their influence is waning and they're getting more and more desperate to make themselves relevant, which is why they're engaging more in politics, whereas Mm -hmm. they did not used to do that so much. Um, But a lot of young girls and women read these types of magazines, and I think it's really dangerous when they only read this one narrative about conservative and right-leaning women um, where they they really make us seem like the nasty ones, (laughs) to use their own terminology, where it's just not true. Every conservative woman I know wants wants the best for women. And it really comes down to policy differences, um, not whether or not you actually want to see women succeed in the world. And I think you can probably trace this back a little bit further, too. I know that you also covered uh, the Women's March a little bit as well. And, you know, the fact that they excluded some pro-life organizations from participating. So I think that really does tie back into what you're saying. It really comes down to the abortion issue a lot for them. Um, what would you say is what can conservative women do in response to this kind of shaming, for lack of a better term? 
for one, respond, speak up, yeah. be proud to be po- problematic. Our friends over at the Federalists actually designed T-shirts and tank tops that say "Problematic Woman." I heard they sold out on the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were so popular they sold out, and I think it's good that we're problems. I think one of the best things that we can do uh, in response to the way that women's magazine magazines cover Republican and conservative women is to make sure they know that we exist. Because I think it's really dangerous when they publish these articles. There was a recent one that I also responded to about um, these seven women could be the next female president. And among those seven women wasn't a single conservative or right-leaning woman. And so by publishing that article, yes, it seems so silly, but at the same time, for young audiences reading this, they might think there are no women running for president when uh, on the Republican side when that is so, so far off base. I mean, we had Carly Fiorina who, mm-hmm. I mean, stood on stage next to 10 other men in suits and held her own, not only held her own, but actually came out on top of a lot of those debates. If that wasn't inspiring and empowering to watch, I don't know what it what is. So I think it's really important that, you know, conservative women in the media respond, not just when they attack us, but when they ignore us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what's interesting there, just to your point, it, when, when <clears throat> folks on the left try to reduce everyone to identity politics, I think it actually uh, removes, then they don't have to actually win on the arguments, right? They can just say, you're a woman, you're in our camp, get in our camp. So it's sort of lazy on their part, right? I and mean, they're not engaging with people like Megyn Kelly or Ivanka Trump that might have any other views. And actually, they, it's weird that if you were to pick, if you're, if you're a, on the left and you were to pick any female conservative to try to lambast, why would you go for Megyn Kelly, who is this, <laughs> like, who, who is this female heroine, really, uh, who, you know, withstood tension at Fox with the Roger Ailes thing and with Trump constantly going at her? I mean, why? I mean, what's it, it just doesn't make any sense to me why they would pick on her. And it's interesting because although I would say conservative women are not easily offended, we are offended when we're reduced to our biology. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first off, we acknowledge that biology actually exists, but we know we are so much more than that. And when it comes to how we vote, we we vote um, for issues that for some women are much more important uh, than whether or not I can get an abortion at the 30-week mark in my state. Um, So so I think that a lot of women actually reject the identity politics that you're talking about. And I think reducing women in that sense um, actually does their party no favor because women are a lot smarter than that. There's a lot more issues we care about than quote unquote women's issues. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think like your articles have really hit it on the head because it's long been something that's frustrated me about how conservative women don't seem to have a seat at the table, which is a a phrase that is so often used among um, liberals. But do you think that there if what do you think that conservatives can do to really cut through the, you know, you're only a feminist if you're believe X, Y, and Z. Is there anything that the, that conservatives can do to reach out more to the female demographic? Well, one thing I personally like to do is 
point out that if you're for women, you should not just be egotistical and be for women here in the United States, but you should be for women internationally. If we really care about women and want to make a difference in this world, let's talk about issues like female genital mutilation. Let's talk about issues like arranged and forced marriages. Uh, let's talk about maternal death rates in in poor and developing countries. There are so many, quote unquote, women's issues that I think the feminist far left movement ignores. And it's 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 just so hypocritical because there really are human rights abuses happening under our watch against women that maybe the far left feminists and conservative female feminists can unite and actually make a difference on. I think we need to speak up a lot more about those, write about them, and point out the fact that we do have it pretty good here. Of course, it's important um, to thank our fellow sisters who laid a lot of that groundwork for for us back when we did agree that maybe women should all vote. But now that we have a lot of, um, now, now that we're on the same playing field as men, if we really want to help women, I think conservatives should be taking the lead in speaking out against the human rights abuses against women that are happening internationally. That is a great point. I also want to touch briefly on the Women's March, which has kind of become a brand. <laughs> um, I know that they've come under some some fire recently, but do you think that um, maybe they're missing out on these opportunities to speak to how women are being oppressed abroad and maybe focusing too narrowly here in the U.S.? So first off, I just need to point out for those of you who are not following the women's movement as closely as, <laughs> as we are here, Linda Susar, one of the co-chairs of the Women's March, the other day called Jake Tapper a a uh, a member of the alt right on twitter <laughs> because Jake Tapper dared to criticize her for supporting and putting out this tweet in support of uh of a a woman who is on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list who is living in Cuba illegally and won't return to the United States because she killed a cop. The Women's March put out a tweet in support of it. Jake Tapper called her out, and then Jake Tapper gets called a member of the alt-right. So that's how far off their rockers they are at this point, and I think that they are very quickly losing a lot of credibility Mm -hmm. that they maybe had when they started the march. But you're certainly right that when they started this, the Women's March, I actually spoke with three of the co-founders of the Women's March right when it was getting started, and they told me on the phone how this was supposed to be inclusive, and it, it was not about certain policies. It was about women coming together and making themselves heard, and so quickly we saw that wasn't true, and it just spiraled into this far-left um, far left movement that really has has ignored a lot of conservatives and and um, I think they're slowly distancing themselves from their own base by making these sort of comments on Twitter about Jake Tapper. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sad to see how far outside the mainstream the quote unquote women's rights 
movement has has drifted, especially when you consider the origins of the women's rights movement. I sort of wish we could resurrect some of the early women's rights leaders like Susan B. Anthony and just like put them in conversation with people today and just see what they would think. But the current feminists want to pretend like Susan B. Anthony didn't exist because you can't possibly be against abortion and yet at the same time be for women's rights. That's just something they, they cannot believe actually exists. Yeah. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Mental overload. Um, well, while we're, while we're on the subject of uh, of women and conservative women in particular, um, Kelsey, you write a newsletter um, called Bright, uh, and it's for conservative women. Is that correct? T- tell us a little bit about that newsletter. Well, first off, we at Bright do not discriminate against men either, so men are welcome. <laughs> oh, to I can be read readers. it. Okay, good. But <laughs> for those who aren't familiar, Bright is a daily email, sort of for women by women, but we do not discriminate. Uh, but it's tailored towards women. And uh, every morning, we you have a different female editor. We have editors from myself, The Daily Signal. We have Erica Anderson over at National Review. We have Mary Catherine Hamm, who you see on CNN all the time. We have Gracie Olmstead, who is at The Federalist. And we have Lisa De Pasquale, who sort of has her own PR firm going on. And she's the founder of Bright and supported by The Federalist. And if you actually do, if you care about women's issues, but also – Everything else going on in the news, I think it's a really great product for you to follow because you'll sort of get a female's perspective um, and summary of what's going on in the news with a little spunk and a little sass. Uh, it's a really fun product. It's an easy, light, and bright read every morning, and I would encourage everyone listening to subscribe. If you have children or grandchildren, tell them to subscribe because I think the best thing women can do, particularly conservative women can do, is support other conservative women so that everybody out there knows we actually exist. So if you want to sign up, it is getbrightemail.com. GetBrightEmail.com. I read it every day. Highly recommend it. Um, All right. Well, I guess on that note, we can go ahead and wrap up today's show. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us and filling us in on this, on Problematic Women, a a title I will bear proudly. Well, I was going to say, Emily, I hope you know you are a problematic woman. I am a problematic woman. All right. And that wraps it up for Mass Ave. Uh, Thanks so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and uh, let us know how we're doing. And if you're looking for other conservative policy solutions to current issues, sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. Every Tuesday, The Agenda will catch you up on issues Heritage scholars are working on, explain conservative positions, and link to our in-depth research and media interviews. The Agenda also provides information on how to watch important events happening here at Heritage and online. Don't miss out. Sign up for the agenda on heritage.org today. Hi, this is Rob Bluey, Vice President of Publishing and Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal. If you liked hearing about the issues that Washington's not discussing, check out Underreported, a brand new video series from The Daily Signal looking at other issues that the mainstream media forgot to mention.